And if you're never like really flexing that intuitive muscle on your own and, and seeing that is coming from within you, then there lies the problem, right? That's the block. It's not coming from you. It's coming from outside sources. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to today's episode with our guest, Allison Pillow. Now, Allison is the author of Amazon bestseller, Finally Thriving, Your Empowered Guide to Wellness. Allison teaches people how to create a self-care practice that introduces optimal health by learning how to express your voice and higher creativity. Now, I was first introduced to Allison via her husband, who was a participant at two of the Men of Movement retreats. And I came to find out later that he actually came via the introduction of her. And she's been a student of Paul's Check for years. She's been on his podcast. She's got a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience in both the exercise world as well as the mental emotional world. And in our podcast today, I ask Allison a bunch of questions on how can we develop a greater level of self-trust? How can we connect deeper to our intuition and allow it to flow more naturally? What are the things that block our intuition and how can we tune into the power of manifestation, but not in an airy-fairy way, but more in a practical way to create more of the life that we desire, aligning mind, heart, and spirit. So get ready. We're about to head in with Allison Pillow. I think I was sharing with you that I had a coaching call or a sales call the other day. And one of the things that the guy had shared with me that really stuck out and one of the things that he's really struggling with today in life is he was expressing, and I'm bringing this up because like I felt this and a lot of the other men have brought this up, the challenge with trusting ourselves and feeling like that faculty is either underdeveloped or there's uh, shame around it or there's stories around it that are really blocking our ability to truly trust ourselves, whether it's in relationship and business. And so with that said, as we were dropping into what we were going to go into, like super excited to discuss intuition, your perspective on manifestation but I guess one of the the first things that I'd love for you to share in terms of like intuition specifically, how might you define intuition or what comes up in your heart when when you tune into that? Yes, that's a wonderful question because many people ask it. It's such an elusive thing to be intuitive. What does that mean, right? What does it mean to have that inner knowing access to that all the time? And the way I've been able to connect with that within myself is to learn how to feel. Because if we're trying to be intuitive in our brain, in our mental capacity, it's not going to work. You have to connect with your heart. So what I've learned along the way is there is a process of learning how to feel emotions, allow them to move through without attachment. And so that's a process. And it's something that we also have to practice because we're going to continue to have feelings come through but, you know, how are you going to experience that? Are you going to experience that by 
wallowing in it and staying in it, or are you going to allow it to move through and just acknowledge that it's there? The other way we, we do it sometimes is to suppress it and never feel it. Mm. Right. And it just stays in the body. So what I've learned over the years and have helped people is to help them with the process of allowing those those feelings to come through and just feel it to, you know, there's a saying called feel it to heal it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So you start there. And then once you, once you begin to create that kind of a connection with yourself and you can easily step into a way of trusting yourself because you are allowing parts of yourself to come into the whole, you're creating integrity when within yourself. So that allows you to trust yourself just innately. Right. How, how do you know, or in your experience, how do you know when you're getting like an accurate read on your intuition? Because like, at least in my experience, because the mind can be pretty tricky. And so for me personally, like sometimes I'm not quite sure on like, is that really my intuition speaking or is that coming from some other place, whether it's something from childhood that might be a fear that's coming up? How do you know in your body when something is accurate or not or leading you towards that? Yes, that's a good question too, because it's something that we have to play with. You Mm. know, we have to be open to playing with that aspect because yeah, you're not going to really truly know until you start to practice it. It's just like with anything else, right? It's with, when you start to learn how to eat better, to move better, you know, you're not going to know exactly Mm. what to do until you start practicing and and your music too, playing an instrument. You got to do a little bit each day. (laughs) So that's how your intuition works too. So you start with like, um, the way I, I started out back in the day was to, you know, pay attention to intuitive hits. So if I got an Mm. intuition and ignored it, and then I, then I realized, oh, that was an intuitive hit and I just missed it. But I, at first I would be so hard on myself for missing that intuitive hit. (laughs) But then I thought, wait a minute, this is, this is a game. We can just make it very playful because this is a practice. It's like, I'm not supposed to know exactly how to do it right now. It's, it's going to take time for me to develop, to develop this intuition within myself. So, um, so you're like, oh yeah, I missed that one. I'll try again <laughs> next time. <laughs> next time I'll pay attention to the signs, you know? And so the more and more you do that, the more you develop that discernment, whether it's coming from your head or your heart. And then eventually as you start to feel more and, and create the space in your life to do that, which is very important, then you can begin to learn how to have discernment around what you're really kind of picking up from other people and what's true for you. You use the word discernment. And before we started recording, that was something that I was expressing to you as like, you had, I forget the exact question, but you had shared like, what do you feel like you're struggling with in life? And I really feel that that discernment piece is something that I'm continually developing. And because I know that whatever I put my mind and my heart to, I'll go all in. And there's almost a resistance or a hesitation towards taking a first step, not in every, in anything now, but just like energy and resource and time and energy is so valuable to me and such a priority that developing that skill of discernment, I think is huge. And I really like, I want to develop it from a heart centered place. And so what you're saying really, really resonates with me. And as we're unpacking this, one of the curious questions I have is in your experience, what comes up for you in terms of in the people you've worked with or in your own life, what stands in the way to people's ability to access that? Or what are some of the blocking factors that show up? 
Yes, there's many blocks. There's many blocks. It depends on... It depends on that person's personal experience, but there are some common blocks for people. And um, oftentimes we we outsource our intuition to others, right? Is what I call it outsourcing your intuition because- Can you give an example of that? Yeah. Um, you know, going to, and, and there's nothing wrong with doing these things. I've done these things. I enjoy them. But when you're depending on other people to tell you um, what you need to hear, you know, like for example, going to a tarot card reader, to, to tap into your spirituality, you know, I've when you can that. do it. I mean, like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fun, you know, and it's fun to hear other people, you know, uh, their, their, their intuitive hits about you, but at the same time, you have the ability to do that for yourself. So if you're always outsourcing that to other people, coaches included, you know, then, um, and if you're never like really flexing that muscle, that intuitive muscle on your own and, and seeing that is coming from within you, then there, in, there lies the problem, right? That that's the block is that it not, it's not coming from you. It's coming from outside sources. So we have to build the trust to realize that, you know, we all have a unique perspective in life and experience. We honor that. And with that, we start to practice and play around with connecting with our intuition. And so another way I would uh, do that, would I, I would use kinesiology, if you're familiar with that, not exercise kinesiology, but testing the body. And Can I you would- break that down a little for? Yeah. Us? So there's, there's people, I think it started- I don't know. I, I I started hearing more about kinesiology back in the nineties. Right. And so I would go to people and they say, okay, put your arm up. And if it's, you know, they, they would test out things like food or, you know, food sensitivities, or, um, it would be mostly for medical intuitive stuff. Right. It was, it was okay. I kind of didn't trust at that time because what I was feeling were, were people were projecting their own stuff through my body. Oh, wow. The tester. Yes, okay. exactly. And I couldn't really trust that fully because it didn't feel like it was coming from me. Yeah. Like if whatever they were thinking it should be, maybe that's what that that's the way it would go, you know? So what I started doing was I started learning how to do that on my own through John McMullen. And then Roseanne also taught me a different technique. Roseanne Grace, a mutual friend of ours. And uh, so we, I just would use my fingers and just like, if my kind of how you do kinesiology is if your body, if you ask a question and your body just kind of lets go, you know, then that would be a yes for me. If it, if it stays strong, then it'd be a no. Oh, really? So you can ask your body what's a yes and what's a no. And that is self-defined by you. Cause could it be the opposite if you were weak in one, like, or is there a standard that you've Yeah. Seen? So you have to, I would, I learned you have to ask that question. What's a yes, what's a no. Okay. Don't take someone else's word for that. Right. Because going it's your to, body. Going back to giving up that trust. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's not to say that you can't trust other people or, you know, trust in the universe and those things. It's just that there has to be a level of you, um, you know, a, a time period where you're, where you're getting to know your own body and the messages it's sending you. So it's really about your body, your body's innate wisdom and you, uh, paying attention to that because we have, uh, you know, you, you've heard of somatics and somatic releases, and that is just a way for your body to, um, communicate to you. You know, you're, you're slowing down enough so that your body can, you know, let you know what's going on because it's, it's constantly storing information on the subconscious level. So 
it will tell you what's going on before, you know, because we're in our head a lot, right? And our head is not always going to, our head might deceive us at times because we're overthinking things. But if you just go into the body, there's no overthinking that. It's giving you a straight answer. When you first start doing it, though, you might overthink it a bit and say, well, I'm not <laughs> sure that's right. But you just have to commit to, to something, right? And, and just continue to do that. And that's the practice. So that's a way, and, and I've heard, you know, I used to use also the uh, pendulums too. That's another way to kind of, you know, externalize it till you start to trust it within. So pendulum, the self-testing, I guess what's coming up now is like, as, cause I've done, I've done some of this learned through Paul and I remember something that he had shared. And as I was playing with this, it's been honestly quite some time since I've, I've practiced this probably, I don't know, at least six plus years or so. So this is a really good inspiration for me to revisit this because I did find it really helpful. And I remember when I was first trying it, I remember trying it with things that I probably shouldn't in terms of things that I had such like an attachment to, like big things that I was just like my ego I knew was, uh, I'm just trying to think of of an example of uh, something that I already had a fear around or something that was so much emotional stock in. And I don't know if that was the best thing for me to practice in because like, then I was really confused. I was like, is this really the intuition or is this not? And then I was overthinking it, then going down a spiral. Have you found that as well? Yeah, people do that all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's so funny. And I used to do it too. Um, but again, it's like, you got to start somewhere. And, and then it really brings into awareness how much you are overthinking about things, right? That's actually like, How much can you surrender to that? <laughs> And you know, it's okay if you're wrong about something. It's it's just if you if you approach it playfully, I feel like there's not really much risk to it, right? Because we if we don't take it too seriously. And so it's just a tool for you to just get to know what your body is telling you. And and it's like your body, you know, simply put, you know, we have our bodies will tell us messages when we say when we say yes to things we don't really want to do. We kind of close up naturally, right? When we say when we say yes to something we really want to do, we open, the body opens naturally. Maybe you don't notice that, but start paying attention to that. Your body's not going to lie because, you know, it's it's all about the, the energetic aspects of your body. It's holding all this energy in. It's holding all this information in. And so it's giving you these messages. But sometimes we override that with, with, our, with our thinking. Totally. So that's the problem, right? Do you <laughs> find it's totally true? And do yeah. you do, who do you find when you're working with people? Is there a great amount of resistance to people exploring this or trying this, or are they already coming with you, like coming to you? You know, maybe read your book or just know a little bit more about you. And how do you navigate if someone is really skeptical? Is it exactly what you shared, inviting and play and and stuff like that? How do you do that? Yeah, totally. My, my course and my book is all about play, really. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I, years ago, I got this message that you're going to be teaching people how to play. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, that was not what I was expecting. But as I got into it, I realized how important it is to tap into our inner creativity, our inner curiosity. I think that's pretty much everything. And if you're, if you're not connecting with that within yourself, life just gets pretty, uh, limited, you know, you're really limiting yourself in many ways. And so we're really in a place right now in the world where we have to, we're really being called to expand our, our thinking, but also our creativity. 
and uh, go beyond what we believe is possible. So what I'm teaching people is that going beyond what they believe is possible because we have all we all have beliefs that um, can limit us, you know, or we believe something because it happened in the past, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen in the future. I teach people how to unwind those and, and open their mind up to something a little bit different through really easy practices. Listening to the body is one of them, you know, learning to uh, their default mode in the brain. Like, what are you thinking about 90% of the time? You know, because that's what's creating your life vision board, literally, you know, in real time. Many people don't realize that that is, you know, whatever they're thinking with their words, whatever they're saying with their words, they're actually creating that. And um, like you and I learned from Unlifted, it's that's conflict language if it's going against what your desires truly are. So we want to switch that over to what's called architect language. We, we want to build and create what the life we really want. Uh, that is aligned with our desires. So that's where we start. It's just real easy, practical stuff. And then help people imagine, because as adults, we've kind of lost touch with that. Like our our imagination muscle is what I call it. And um, that really opens you up to creativity because it starts to open your heart. It starts to open your, your perception, what you think is possible. We're just, as adults, I feel like, um, we're not really allowed to do that very much because we're supposed to be working hard. We've got responsibilities and just life is so serious now, but, (laughs) but what, you know, what kind of life is that? I I think we're realizing that the joy lies in the creation process. So how do you want to create that? And, And people are also realizing that they, they do have a say in how they create their life. Like it's not just something that is handed to you that you're, that you're a slave to, you know, you can, you can do something about that. There's power within that. So that's what I help people with. And then we connect with our bodies in very low tech, easy ways that where your body is naturally going to thrive. And then the spiritual aspect, of course, we get into that as well and how to, you know, hone into your intuition, how to connect with that and, and manifest really true manifestation through providing space for yourself, prioritizing yourself, creating a wellness practice is what I call it, but it can also be a creative practice, you know, because that, you know, spiritual wellness is wellness, you know, we're, we're all energy, really. (laughs) I mean, it's been said, you know, everything is energy, right? And it's a very true statement. And so we, you know, in this land of duality, we tend to separate the two physical and energetic. Mm. They're not separate. They're, they're interdependent. That's spot on. And you know, one of the things, and this ties right into one of the things I'm honestly probably most curious about and why I wanted to both of us to go into to this and for me to pick your brain and your heart on this is this topic of manifestation. It's like a buzzword gets tossed around a lot. And I'm really curious because with your work, how I've experienced it and just knowing you, you're a very practical person. Like you've got a, a background in movement. You are a gymnast. Like you're very in my experience, like really grounded in your body. And so what I'm curious about is a lot of the manifestation work is like very airy fairy, you know what I'm saying? And like, what I'm curious about is to hear your take on it a little bit deeper, but also I was sharing with you before we recorded too, like at this point in my life, one of the things like I'm fairly clear about what I want in life and, and being father to Luca has just been such a nourishing experience. And one of the things 
is I really want to, and I imagine people listening uh, also too, I really want to be uh, better and further my own journey in how I do things. And I've got this, since childhood, this pattern of like the grind or like more of a, a forced effort. And so I'd love to hear your take on how to invite in, and I know it's connected intuition, but how do we invite in the practical application or what are the building blocks to manifestation, but in like a very grounded and practical way? Yes, yes. I love that question because that is what I've been teaching people, you know, with my class and uh, teaching them the very basics of energetics, like even about their chakra systems. A lot of people don't know about that and, Mm. you know, and how those work. But when you say that, what comes to mind is we have been for a long time using self-will to get through life and to push ourselves through. And it's been working, but (laughs) (laughs) now we're coming into a new age and it doesn't work like it used to. Um, Mainly because our level of awareness has expanded greatly on an energetic level, Um, especially since the lockdown and all that. And people just see things differently and they want to, they're, they're not settling for what they settled for before, you know, because their perspective has changed. So, um, with that, they, you know, people are like, well, are there better, easier ways to do this? Why do I have to deplete myself to, to do the work I want to do in my life or to be of service to others? It doesn't seem like that seems right anymore. And, uh, that's because we're, you know, we're kind of transitioning from self-will to what I call divine will Mm. and, what that does is it help it, it allows you to surrender your own willpower to a higher place. So it's it's a a higher aspect of yourself that um, involves also trusting a lot, and that's the feminine aspect. And we've been really navigating from the masculine for a long time, which again it, we're kind of going from one extreme to the other. And it's worked great until it didn't work anymore, you know? And now people are like, I'm really tired. I'm really exhausted. I don't, (laughs) I want to find a different way to do this. You know, Um, I feel like I'm hitting a block, you know, I just, I've done all this work and I'm still not where I want to be. So obviously the harder we work, that's not the solution, right? It's more about kind of going beyond the belief of our physical body and getting into what our energetic bodies can do, right? And how those interplay. So for me, I I didn't understand, you know, I've been in the physical for a very long time. (laughs) I've I've been an athlete and, um, you know, a trainer and I've just been really, I've gotten, I've gotten so good at being in the physical and helping people with their physical bodies and getting healthy. But as trainers, we, we definitely miss part of that and medical community misses it too. Mm. And, you know, some of the Eastern medicines, they, they get it, you know, but it's the energetic aspect of the body that goes deeper because that's what translates into the physical. So the physical is the densest aspect of you. Mm. We have many other aspects that play a part in all of this. So if you can start to become the master of your own energy, man, the sky's the limit. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So that's when I learned, I was like, ah, there's this whole world of energy 
that I had no idea how to navigate. And this is even after I had gone to school for pranic healing. I was doing energy healing with people. I was, you know, getting into the kinesiology and all these other energy modalities, but I never learned until later on how I could integrate those energy um, modalities practically in my life through practical practices, right? And so that's what I bring to people is like, this isn't necessarily woo-woo. It's just a fact of life. You know, it's just what we... It's what we have access to. And if we can become more aware of some of these things and practically integrate this into our life on an energetic level, it makes life way easier, way easier. And that's, and that's more of like that feminine aspect of ourselves. That's um, the creative force, wherever you believe about masculine and feminine, I, I just see it as like the male, the masculine holds the container and creates the structure for the feminine to flow. If today's conversation on developing a deeper level of self-trust, of inner knowing, of that innate wisdom and intuition that we all have, and you are a man and want to be supported in this, then we've got two offerings coming up that I'm so excited to share. One of which is a one-day event happening in Northern California on April 29th. And I will be co-leading that with two other facilitators, Ben White and Tyler LaFlock, both of who were prior guests on the PATH podcast. And this is going to be a sacred container for one day where we're going to be focusing on how do we turn our inner critic to our own inner coach. We're going to be guiding you through movement practices, breath work, embodiment practices to rewrite the stories that have been holding us back through the body to share it with the other men and to be supported in that process. That is a one-day event. Or if you are interested from June 8th through the 11th out in Mount Shasta, California, that is the most immersive men's work offering currently that I have. And that is a very similar container, but with five co-facilitators, we do a lot of ritual initiations during this process. It is a deeper dive than the one-day event. And if you're interested in either one of these, please do hit me up. We will hop on a call and get to as as quickly as we can to the heart of what's coming up in your life and what's motivating you to seek an event like this out. What is holding you back? What do you want to change? What's the type of man you want to be for yourself, for your family, for your community? I am there to support. I am there to listen, to offer a point of reflection. And if that, once again, is something that interests you, hit me up. All you got to do is go to my website, mikesalemi.io, and in the upper right corner, hit the programs tab, and you'll be able to see both of these events. Or if you simply have other questions for other offerings, for example, one-on-one coaching, that is the perfect place to go to hop on a call with me. If you are a man or you are a female who knows a man who could use this type of work, please do have them reach out. I would love to be connected. Now let's get back to the show. We all have that masculine and feminine aspect, maybe to different degrees in us, but we can all access both of those at any given time. Is that, would you say that's true? Absolutely. And it's, it's more of like yin and yang, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, those are the energies and it's uh, being okay with creating the space and and being in the void for a little while while you wait for the new things to come. Oh, it's so hard. I know. (laughs) That's a story too, but. (laughs) Yeah. That's the toughest part for people, really. I mean, that was what was, I think, hardest for people during the lockdown is like, oh my God, now what? Like all this has been taken away. Now what do I do? And instead of, we could approach it as like, wow, okay, something new has been create being created. We're, we're getting rid of the old 
you know, we acknowledge, wow, that was great, but it's time for something new. I wonder what could happen. And so we're getting comfortable with the unknown in our lives and trusting that. And that's what it takes to trust fully and surrender to divine will. You know, your will, you can control that. And in some, and most times we do, we use our willpower in the name of fear. That's our motivator mm. to control the situation, right? Like, I don't want to be, I'm going to do this workout because I don't want to be overweight. I don't want people to judge me for what I look like. You know, it's, that's the motivation instead of, wow, this really feels good. Like it feels good to move, man, this is amazing. I love it. You know? So it's so subtle, but those inspirations and motivations in your life, why you take action are very important to pay attention to. It's a completely different energy behind it. And like with all this stuff, like what I'm hearing you say and reflecting on it in my own experience, like how we do things can come at a cost, you know, a positive or a negative cost. And the, this coming from that place of fear of what you don't want, that just feels like, as you were saying, that just feels heavy. Like I feel heavier in my seat right now. I just feel, um, to your point earlier, like I feel a contraction as opposed to an openness. And the second thing you said, like I just felt more open, just, I don't think my shoulders moved, but it just felt like there was more opening in my heart. And as you were sharing that, one thing that I'm really curious about, because, um, I mean, I know your husband, he's attended two of the men in movement retreats, and I know you have two kids in their late teens and early twenties. And I'm curious, how has your family responded and received your evolution into more of this energetic work coming from the physical and have they been on board and, and how, how's that whole experience and dynamic been, been in your life? Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm a, I'm the only female in my family. And so <laughs> Three men. <laughs> yeah. I've been kind of, you know, uh, immersed in much, much masculine energy for years. <laughs> so I, I finally had to like, just say like, I just need to, I just need to be in this feminine energy for a while. So, uh, <laughs> I even have a masculine, I even have a male dog. We've only had male dogs. So, you know, it even goes that far, but I, uh, I, my family's pretty supportive. They, they, you know, at first they were kind of, when I first got into all this stuff, it was kind of like, what, what are you doing? And, but you know, I have to, I have to hand it to my husband. He is always supportive. Like I put it in my book, he's supportive of every crazy thing I want to do. Oh, I love and, uh, and he, and he's, he's asking me for advice now with, with energy work and, wow. uh, and, and clearing spaces and stuff. And I've been helping him with some stuff as well. So he's really got, he's become more open to it as I, I feel like a lot of people are as well. And, you know, my kids, they, they see me as mom and they're, they're, they're like, they, they accept me and love me and they think, oh, wow, you're doing amazing things, but I'm also their mom, you know? So, um, they also see me as like, mom, that's weird, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some, you know, there's some kid judgment there, but that's okay. That's to be expected. You know, that wouldn't, that's a normal thing I feel like, you know, so, but yeah, they, they're pretty, they're pretty supportive and I feel very grateful that they are always, you know, supporting me and, and all the woo woo stuff I want to do, you know, with, because it just, it really is something that calls to my heart. Like I, I wanted to know more. I wanted to really understand myself more. Mm. really is what it came down to. And in the, in the, 
the quest to understand myself, I came across all of these things that um, are so freaking interesting in life. It's like, how do we not get curious about these things, right? It's like, it's there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot we don't know, but we act like we do know everything, but we really don't. It's it's so, there's so many mysteries. And, and to me, that just sparks my curiosity and it gets me to think more about what, what, what new things I can learn. So I continually come back to the beginner's mindset. I was telling you, you and Lauren last night about the, the ukulele practice. Like it's totally new. I have, I'm told I'm not, I do not consider myself a musician at all, but I am learning how to be a musician and I'm giving, I'm allowing myself space to learn that through the beginner's mindset. So I'm going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. I'm going to look silly at times, uh, but who cares? You know, it's part of the process. So if you can look at everything in life like that and kind of let go of that perfection mode, I think life can be a lot more fun. You hit the nail on the head I was sharing with you as well. Like in the last maybe two years, uh, I've started playing all these random instruments (laughs) And I'm still in the awkward phase on every single one from the didgeridoo that I'm looking at right now to the jaw harp, to the shrewdy box, to the throat singing. And But what I will say is it's been an opportunity for me to genuinely be bad at something and to with, I mean, of course, like I, I want to make nice music. Like I want it to sound like I don't want Lauren to run out of the room when she hears me. <laughs> Usually I'll practice in my car, but I'm telling you, like I'm enjoying the process so much of just being a novice and there's medicine in that for me. And it's been a way I can't even tell you, like there's multiple times where I'll be playing and I'll just bust up laughing at myself. And I'm like, holy shit, if this is the medicine that I'm getting from it, if that's all I get is some horrible tunes and a lot of laughter, then it's well worth it. Absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head with that one because, yeah, being bad at something is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Most of my posts are about being bad at things. Like, I'm like, look at the mistake I made and what I learned from it, you know? So I just, I just spent so many years trying to get it right and be perfect. I'm like, forget that. Like, I don't need to do that because... What is perfectionism anyway, if you really think about it? You know, it's it's unattainable. You never get there. So why are you trying? You know? And I and I when I looked into started looking into musicians and their process as well as I started le- learning about music, I, I realized that many of them had to learn too. Some of them didn't know how to play music or sing when they first started and they learned as they went. And that to me is is almost mind-blowing at the same time, but it helps me be more compassionate with myself as I learn too, because I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, everybody is starting from somewhere, you know, and, um, just being open to enjoying the process, I think is, is the best thing to do because we've just been trained to see, okay, are we, is this going to lead to this outcome? And is this going to lead to this outcome? I feel like this is what we're trained a lot in. And it's like, we kind of skip that. We skip the rhythm of our life in a way, you know, instead of like, okay, now it's time to rest and receive and be open. And now it's time to do things, you know, take action. You know, there's, there's a rhythm to your life. And so this is something we really, it really benefits you to pay attention to. 
I love that and appreciate that so much that you shared that. And as we're talking, what I'm realizing is instruments or music can be a bridge or is a bridge, can be a bridge into that intuition. And a big block is that exact thing that you just shared, that block of perfection, that block of the inner critic, the the inner judgment. And anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that's something I think that we all struggle with, but it's just so present in my life. And I'm continually inviting in or doing my best to invite in more compassion. And thankfully, I've got you know, an amazing wife like Lauren, who uh, I've shared this before, I think on the podcast, but in the past, I used to be like overtly very, um, maybe very kind with how I talk to others, but really mean with how I talk to myself, even externally where I'd be like, I fucking, I fucked that up or you did such a shit job. And sometimes I talk to myself and she would hear and she would say, uh, and catch me right in the moment. So it was really powerful. And she would go, Hey, please don't talk to my friend like that. And I was like, whoa. And with enough repetition and conscious awareness, I mean, the, the, the inner critic is obviously still there, but it's been so helpful to have her and then have tools like music or in any venture to practice these bridges. And so music is one. Have you seen other or what might be some other ideas of like, helpful bridges into intuition or into that more feminine manifestation? Like what else comes up for you in that? Yeah. I love that you mentioned that too, because it is important to start to pay attention because we, a lot of us have learned to motivate ourselves through criticism, right? It's, yeah. That's not healthy, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's music. I was going to say something else about music is, is it gets you out of your head. It uses a different part of your brain, first of all, but also it, it gets you into your feeling centers. So it, that that's our first step in anything we anything you do, any practice that you do. It 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 really is going to benefit you more um, and connect you if you can get into the feeling parts of it and and not over thinking what you're doing, right? If things come up, allow them to come through. But for the most part, learn how to learn how to feel, and 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 then. Creating space in your life, I think, is important. So I teach all my students how to prioritize time with themselves. I say, this is your, mm. it's called your wellness date. You're going to do it every day. It can be anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, but it, you need to have that time for just you and see how that feels to be alone with yourself, you know? So this is that, that's the practice. And so. Can I pause real quick there? Because yeah. that's, I think that's just a gem that I think is so important. And. How has that experience been inviting people to take that space? And I'm curious, like, has there been resistance to that? Because, I mean, sometimes it can be really hard to be with ourselves and be with our feelings. Like, so how has that been received and, and how have you supported people in navigating that? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it depends on uh, how people, how comfortable they are being with themselves. <laughs> right? Some people that are really busy, it's more of a challenge because they use busyness to distract themselves from being with themselves. So it's kind of a trauma response, right? To be really busy at times. And, and it's not to say that, you know, if, if it's busyness that really brings you joy, if you're doing things you really love, that's wonderful. But again, it's, are you, you know, I always suggest that you should have time for yourself within that. Like that's so important. Otherwise we just create resentment about even the services we're bringing to people if we're not giving that time to ourselves. So 
You know, I think the biggest challenge is people getting out of those patterns of busyness. So some of the tools that I that I give everybody, I give everybody examples of tools they can use in their wellness practice. So we have a, we did a breath work session and, and that slows you down. So anything that will slow you down mm. so that you can start to feel and integrate really what's happening, you know, that you could be just pushing or suppressing things and you know, we all do it, you know, but that's our, that's why we're, we're not slowing down. So um, the other thing that was really interesting that came up the other day, I, I never thought about this until this podcaster was talking about it. I was like, that's so true. But people, I didn't know so many people were listening to podcasts like on twice the speed, you know, just to get <laughs> it in. And he was mentioning that that's not a great thing because then you're not really processing what you're hearing. You're just taking it as truth without actually integrating Holy it. shit. Yeah. Keep going on that because that hits super home for me. So, yeah. Yeah. It really is uh, like, how do we, how do you do life? Are you trying to rush through it, trying to get all this information in all the time? Are you actually taking your time with it and, and, you know, integrating it, feeling it? There, there needs to be space in between. Even when we talk, same thing, right? We're breathing in between our sentences uh, so that we can be with the information and connect with the information that we're talking about or listening to. So if you're zooming through, you're just like, it's easier. He was also mentioning it's easier to give people misinformation. Not, I don't, I don't like using the word misinformation, but <laughs> it's just been kind of, you know, use too much, but you know, you can give people information that may not be true. And then they take it as truth because they're not listening to it in a slower, at a slower pace. So they're not able to really integrate the information in a way. So it's interesting. It's interesting why, I, cause I've noticed like on social media, people are talking faster and I know it's only because most people uh, on Instagram only have a minute 30 to get it in. Right. <laughs> and I find that to be incredibly challenging. <laughs> I feel <you. laughs> But it, it is a way that people market so they can kind of like, hey, you know, kind of make people feel like that emotional response like they need this right now, right? So it's a good thing to be paying attention to. It's so funny you mentioned that because like, so I listen to things on on like Audible and stuff at the normal speed. And when I've tried multiple times because I've wanted to, and what you just shared is a really cool thing for me to reflect on, but I've tried to do like 1.2 or 1.5 and I notice Every single time I've done that, anxiety comes up. And so, I mean, I must have tried that at least in the last few years, at least five to eight times at least. And every single time I get anxious. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that is my, that is a measurement for me. Like, no, like that's whether it's my intuition or whatever it is, you need to slow the F down. Yeah. I feel that too when I listen to stuff really fast. Well, I don't listen to stuff fast. Uh, normally like on podcast or audible, I, most times I have to stop it and rewind it. Cause I'm like, what did he just say? Because that's just the way I process. And, and so, but on Instagram, when I watch people on Instagram that they, they, they make those clips where they heavily, um, they cut it just the right in the right places where they're just constantly talking at you. It's very, it makes me feel very anxious. Jump I cut to jump cut people. to jump cut. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it just makes me feel like, you know, like something's not right about that. Like, you don't have a chance to even breathe in there. 
You know what that's also bringing up for me, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but uh, like there is, at least in my experience, like there is a difference between typing, you know, versus handwriting. And I think like the kinesthetic feeling that happens are very different, but like, I mean, there's people who can type, like I can't type that fast. Like I can probably type like, I don't know, not slow, but like 50 words a minute, let's just say. But there's people who can type like 120, 150, I don't even know, like something rapid speed. And what I'm curious about is like when you're forced to write or if anyone's ever tried, like I tried this recently, I've done this a few times in life, like writing with my non-dominant hand. And it's literally when I look at it, it's like a child wrote it. Uh But it's so interesting and it's given me a point of reflection of like, whether it's in our writing or in our speech, what are different ways that we can utilize to like force, like if you want to use the word force, but force ourselves to slow down because there is a different feeling between typing and writing. Have you found that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So I love typing. I have to admit, I love typing because it's just easier for me. Yeah. But when I get a chance to handwrite, I will, because um, even though, you know, for me, it's, it's, it just has, uh, I have a history of having terrible handwriting and, and people <laughs> criticizing for me, me for that. So I just like, you know, I need to get over that. But I've also experimented right, writing with my left hand because I'm right, right-handed and it's, yeah, similar thing. It's like very hard, but it slows you down. So it, it, that's a way you can actually integrate your right and left brain. Um, and then with writing, handwriting, um, what that does is it brings out, uh, your awareness of what's going on in your subconscious and it brings it to the logical. So it helps you process it. Interesting. So, and, and also to your like uh, a published author. So you're like writing a lot, like yeah. you're writing a lot. Yeah. If I was handwriting that, it would take me forever. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years, 10 yeah. years per book. Yeah. <laughs> but like, even in just like reflecting on an experience, like that can be a beautiful way uh, to integrate uh, the experience and, it was so funny when I was writing with my left hand, it was a, a journal prompt. And it was really cool because like, again, it looked like I was, it looked like my, I don't know, my uh, third grade self or fourth grade self, whatever it was, was writing it. And now I'm just, I've got the reminder every single day of child, not childish, but childlike nature through Luca. And we were talking last night. And so that's been something that's just been heart opening, mind blowing is just the reminder. Like, and I was showing you too yesterday, uh, you know, infants have a soft spot on their head, right? Structurally, like there's like, if anyone's uh, seen an infant or has an infant and recalls this, but like there's the soft spot on their head where the the bones of the skull are not fully uh, sutured or whatever the word is. And you can even see like a heartbeat. But what I was thinking and tripping out on is when that, with that soft spot, and I'd, I'd love to hear your take on this with that soft spot, like literally their crown, their crown chakra is physically open. Like, could it get more porous energetically? And so he's just been an incredible reminder for me in that. Yeah. What comes up hearing that for you? What first comes up is what I was telling you earlier. Uh, I got woken up really early this morning oh, yeah. and the conversation of our podcast was just in my head, <laughs> like you and I talking and what we were going to be talking about. It wasn't <laughs> like I was trying to plan it. It just was like automatic. Like I sometimes can hear what we talk about before. And that was one of the things. It's really interesting that you brought that up. I knew we were going to talk about that. So yeah. So the, the crown chakra is open and babies, you know, because they're open, they're, they're, they, they are full, they're, they're unconditional love. Like they don't have to do anything really 
um, other than, you know, they're crying or they're, they're making sounds, you know, to be taken care of. But for the most part, they're, they're like, they're already tuned in. They're connected to source. You know, they come already connected. And uh, so they're just open, open, open portals for, for love, you know? And so, yeah, it, when you said that yesterday, I was like, of course the crown, that's, that makes so much sense that the crown chakra is open when you're born. That, that makes total sense because we're just, babies are just so, they're just such open creatures. I don't even know how else to put it. They're, they're just, they're just loving and they're, they're receiving all the love from you. You know, they're receivers and it reminds us of how we could be better receivers in our lives. Right. I completely agree. I mean, there's been so many surprise moments with him and that's what been one of the biggest is the daily, not even daily, like moment to moment reminder of that childlike nature. And it's brought me to tears multiple times. And it's been so like as much as, you know, we are, you know, he's very dependent. I mean, for sure, dependent on Lauren, like he's literally breastfeeding all day. Like this kid fucking eats nonstop. So as dependent as he is and as much as he's getting from us, like it is so mutual. Like I'm getting so much from him. And I think too, like when I reflect on the people that I really love having in my life or the relationships that feel the most effortless, not all of them, like there's certain friendships that there's um, the reciprocity is different or what I get and, get and give in different relationships is different. But I think some of my like closest friends are the ones that remind me of that childlike nature or living it. And in some way, I was telling Lauren about a, a dear friend of ours. And I was like, if you were to ask me um, uh, like a question, like, why are you friends with this guy? Like, I don't know if I could tell you a specific thing like, oh, he does this or that. I just literally love being around him. And literally like my little child comes out and I honestly couldn't tell you, he's a good dude for sure. If he wasn't an integrity, he probably wouldn't be a friend, but like there's just those people that remind us of that. And so it's so cool to be reminded of that day to day with him. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say too, is that they are uh, affecting you through their being. They're not really doing anything. That's just who they're just being. Babies are like that. They don't even, they're communicating all kinds of information to you non-verbally just by being in your presence. They're like little Buddhas. <laughs> <laughs> they totally are. And he's still bald. So he looks yeah, like a little exactly. Buddha. They have little bellies too still. Cause you know, they're uh, cute little bellies. You know, they breathe through their bellies mostly. You know, you can see their bellies moving, which is, Another thing that we stop doing when we're adults, we don't use our bellies to breathe as much, right? So it's, you can learn so much from babies, so much. Yeah, I <laughs> that's so crazy too. Like I've been, I, I stare at this kid all day. It's kind of sometimes intense. Lauren's like, chill out, I'm like, you know, but his stomach too, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe you'll know, but like, I don't, I imagine that he doesn't have like the differentiation of muscle fibers or whatever. Cause he's just like this big mass that like, literally you could just see, he doesn't have like, like a, like a, a defined rectus abdominis. Like he doesn't have that. And literally he's just, you know what I'm saying? Could you imagine a baby with that though? Yeah. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Paul check probably had that. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's because they have to yell, they have to scream and, and cry for hours at a time. 
They have to have the capacity to do that. So their belly has got to be, that's where it comes from is the belly. So their voice, they don't lose their voice. Their voice doesn't get tired. Interesting. Cause that was actually something that fascinated. Like he's been, he's been really good. Like he cries obviously Mm -hmm. for sure. He's a kid. Yeah. But, um, I'm like, it's gotta be fucking exhausting for a baby to cry all, you know, for, let's just say they were crying incessantly because they had colic or whatever, but that makes total sense. It comes from the belly. Yeah. They, they, they have a much easier time of getting their voice out than we do. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Wow. I'd love to make a small transition and really chat about the book that you've written, Finally Thriving, as well as the program you're doing. And if you could share a little bit, and I know we've discussed it a little bit during the show, but really what has been the inspiration for that? And what do you take people through as you go through that? Yes. Well, initially I was inspired by just feeling like I needed to get this information out because I just had, you know, been coaching clients one-on-one for years, not really doing any groups. And then the lockdown happened. My dad passed away right before that. And, uh, what initiated it really was like, I, I was with him when he passed and I, and I have a dedication to him in my book and I kind of explain Mm. what happened there. But what, you know, I, I just, I just experienced like a transfer of consciousness. Like I think when we're around someone who passes, something happens where, you know, the wisdom gets passed down if you're there. What I've heard since then actually is when your, uh, your body does lose water when you pass away. And uh, what that water I, I'm thinking is gets transferred to whoever's there. So it's, you know, water holds consciousness. Right. And I read about that and it, you know, I think that's something that happens and it's something I experienced. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I got this download to write this book and it was so many different things, some things that I knew, some things that I hadn't really integrated yet. And it was just coming through me. I had just read uh, the book, The Artist's Way, and I started to practice morning pages. And it's a practice she has in her book where you just get up and you do automatic writing every morning. You don't think about what you write. You just write whatever comes out. And that was incredibly healing for me because I just felt like I was holding all this stuff inside me. And there was really no way to express a way uh, for those things to come out. I didn't have any form of expression for that. So writing became that in that, that moment. And it was incredibly liberating. And mm. so I would, I did that for six months straight every morning, you know, cause I, my clients, I didn't have to drive anywhere. I had all this time in the morning, you know? And so uh, I would write and it started like really small, like, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And then it, it became 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. And I had to stop <laughs> myself, go to clients, you know? So, uh, and then I, you know, I, I created a book from it, you know, from my uh, healing process and just being able to share those stories and help. And for me too, giving on that level was so nice. It was nice to be able to give all these things I was kind of holding in, you know, give it to people who could, who it could help. At that time that people were struggling with health, it was very, uh, it was, you know, that the miss, the misinformation at that time was big, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I need to put a perspective out there that helps people in a natural way where they have, they can be empowered by the information. And then also I wanted to take people on a journey of self-discovery where they could discover more about themselves and reflect on their own lives instead of me telling them what to do, Mm -hmm. which I thought we had enough of those books. So I thought, well, why don't I just take you like on an adventure 
of yourself, you know? And so I broke the book up into three parts, align your mind, connect with your body, and then listen to your spirit. And, uh, it was, it just, it turned out great. And I've gotten wonderful feedback from it. I've created a class from it, a 12 week course and coaching program. I'm bringing my second group through the process. They're doing amazing. They keep texting me like, oh my God, I manifested this. And, you know, it just become a, it's kind of become a manifestation class, you know, in a way I was telling you the other night, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I wasn't expecting this to happen. But what I have read is like health and wealth are two very similar energies. What works for one works for the other. So again, it's just kind of realigning your energy, bringing it back into a sense of integrity, not just like being like, well, I want this. And so I'm going to put this on my vision board and I, you know, I'm going to focus on it. That's willpower, right? Actually using you know, something beyond that and surrendering to that higher power of yourself, connecting with source, divine, you know, divine will as well. That takes you to a place of truly healing yourself, letting go of blocks and limitations that you perceive as your belief system, and uh, then moving forward with taking action on your desires and, and living that, integrating that, feeling it, practicing it. it it's, it's, it's work, yeah, but it's fun work, you know, and, and people want to especially in this day and age, people just want it to kind of magically appear, but it's like, you have to, you have to start living it. And there's a process there. Yeah, I completely agree. And you had shared something on that last night and it was such a really cool thing to, to hear. You know, we've both, as you mentioned earlier, like we've gone through uh, Mark England's and lifted program and the method that he, that he teaches is like very practical. It's, it's fantastic, truly is. And it's been a great, a great tool in, in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. And what I loved what you had shared, uh, and I would be curious as we as we close this out, because I think this would be really powerful for people, but one of the tools in the exercise that you guide people through is a story work exercise. And typically how uh, many of us have experienced this type of work has been around maybe like reparenting or self-coaching or be, befriending things like our inner critic or some of the more like uh, how we shit talk ourselves but you use it uh, or you've found a way to use it really successfully in a slightly different way or in a nuanced way. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. I I was telling you last night, you and Lauren, about how I've been using the four-step story process to uh, help people with their desire stories. Mm. Because oftentimes we say all these things that we want, but we're not actually feeling it. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not actually integrating that aspect of it. So it's kind of like the talking really fast, you, you know, you're, it's, it's a sense of, uh, it's a type of avoidance for what you, you, maybe you don't think you're good enough for it, but you say it cause you, you really want it, you know, <laughs> you haven't built that, that self-worth, but you, but there, part of that is cause you really haven't felt that. Like, how would it feel mm. to be living like that right now? Could you imagine that? Can you, write about it and then say it really slowly to yourself. How does that feel? Does it bring up emotions, you know? And for, you know, I would say the the whole group, it brought up emotions because there was something blocking them from realizing those desires in their life. And so that's just as important as working on our traumatic stories is also the positive stories. Like how much do we, um, how much do we feel like that that's possible for ourselves? 
that's so powerful because it's uh thank you for sharing that because it's, it's oftentimes for me like what are we feeding which stories are we feeding? And not to say that there's not healing that needs to be done on past stories and stuff like that. But if I were to reflect on my own life, like oftentimes it's way easier or more facilitated to go towards the negative story, what I don't want. But now having this tool in this way, like I'm really excited to go through that myself and name that story and add the breath into it and really feel it throughout my whole body. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, you know, it, it, you're welcome. And I and I think it's important to work on the the trauma, resolve it, but then we want to move on and, mm. and create some hope, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there needs to be that. And I think, you know, that's, that's that level of manifestation that is more in the feminine. Mm. Like you're, you're surrendering to that because you are embodying it. I love that. I love that. Well, Allison, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. And as we close, would you mind sharing where people can find you and where they can get your book and your program and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Mike. This has been so much fun. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah. talking to you. Um, yeah. So my book is, uh, you know, you can find it at finallythrivingbook.com. You can also find it on Amazon. I also have an audio book that I recorded with my voice. So Yay. that's, uh, people have been really liking that. And, uh, and I also did, I recorded an album recently called High Vibe Thriving, and it's a concept album that's based on the book. And so you can find that on my website as well. AllisonPillow.com is actually my my main website, and it has all those links to, to find that. And, and my program starts in May. And my next program... My next group starts in May for the Finally Thriving. So I would just invite everybody to grab the book if you really like the work and, and it resonates with you and you want to go deeper, then uh, set up a free call with me and we can get you signed up for the class. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you so much for your time today. Super appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 